0: How many of us take for granted so many things? You know, when I started going overseas to preach the gospel in 1994, uh, God uh, opened my eyes uh, to other parts of the world and, and, and made me understand how very good He's been to America. How many of us take for granted electricity, um, warmth, you know, uh, good clothes? Good shoes, um, a watch, a telephone, a vehicle. Uh, Many of these things, we as Americans, we we just take for granted. Everyone has that. But I want you to know that many parts of the world that you and I live in today will never experience any of those things. And it is important for us to be a grateful and thankful people. One of the things that we're confronted with in our generation today is called CRT. I don't know if you've uh, been around much of that critical race theory. And it's the most demonic, devastating uh, teaching to young children that there could possibly be in our country. To teach that our nation has nothing to do with Christianity. But has only to do with those that are seeking gold and silver and prosperity That's a lie from the pits of hell. I want you to realize that in the early 1600s, those small bands of Christian pilgrims came to these shores for one reason, and that was to flee the religious persecution that they experienced from the Anglican uh, hierarchy of England and, of course, Holland. And, and, And they're not even teaching anything like that now. they're they're not teaching that the very first act that the pilgrims uh, had when they came to the eastern shores of America was to bow their knees in thanksgiving to God for this land and dedicated it to the service of Jesus Christ. See, they don't teach that anymore. Um, And it's sad to me, and it's divisive, and it's very destructive. But what it creates in the mind of young people today is the attitude of, of entitlement, the attitude that I deserve everything that I have and more. And if you have a bigger house than I do, I deserve a bigger house than you do. If you have a better vehicle, if you have better circumstances, that's because you took it from me. That's what those type of teachings are, are raising up today. A generation that does not know God. A generation of unthankful people. So when we come to a psalm like Psalm 100, we are enamored by the overwhelming gratitude that springs up from a renewed heart in acknowledgement to the God of life, the God of eternity, The God who made us, created us for his own purpose. And a God who sent his son into the world to redeem us from our sins. How thankful we ought to be this morning. In Psalm 100, it's just five short verses. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord... All ye lands, not just America, but all ye lands. This this is encompassing not only the Jewish people of God, but the elect family of God in every nation. He says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Now here's the reason. For the Lord is good aren't you glad of that for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations and all the people said amen, amen. what a wonderful psalm that that just captures the heart of praise captures the heart of true worship. If we can't be thankful for anything else this morning, we ought to be thankful for the knowledge that we're not burning in a devil's hell. You can thank God for that because hell is real. No matter what Modern theology might teach about the mythological application of a place called hell that was only created by preachers that wanted to scare people into service. I'm sure you've heard some of that. Nothing's further from the truth. Hell is a very real place. And each one of us are hell-deserving sinners that have opposed a holy God and in our life In our sinfulness, in our attitudes, in in many of our actions, we can all look back and see where God would be perfectly just to send us into a place of eternal uh, separation from him and eternal suffering. Hell is a geographical location that is reserved for the devil and his angels and all of those that were not chosen in covenant before the foundation of the world. You'll hear more about that in our message this morning. But uh, what we need to realize is that God's people, God's elect family, are going to know him and through him are going to experience salvation. And that salvation is eternal. Now, many of us have gone through various circumstances in our life where we've experienced sickness, loss, discouragement, uh, battles within and without. Uh, many of us have gone through a, a, a lot of trials and tribulations in our life. But what we need to keep in mind this morning is that those are temporary. Those are a very temporary Circumstance, a, a very temporary condition. But what Christ did for us on the tree of the cross is eternal. It's uh, everlasting. It's something that will never end. So the saving work of Jesus Christ is something we need to be thankful for. I try to encourage young people to be thankful for their parents, to be thankful if they have a, a believing father and mother. Uh, someone that cares for their soul enough to pray for them and to set before them a good example of faith and virtue and service. That is a great, great gift. And children often take that for granted. I know my father was a pastor, and and, and I I took that for granted. I took the good things that my parents did for me uh, growing up in the home for granted. And uh, and it grieves me to this day that I wasn't as thankful when I was in there under their care as I should have been. Now, as we come to this psalm, we need to uh, contextualize it uh, for a moment. Our understanding of biblical truth begins with our understanding of the context contextual uh, study, uh, studying the context of each verse or each chapter or uh, each book of the Bible is very, very important. And when we come to Psalm 100, it's no different. There's a con- context that we need to consider before we see the full weight of this beautiful, beautiful psalm. This is a part of what the Jews call a halal psalm. It is a praise psalm. It is a psalm that uh, that Jewish pilgrims would sing on their way to Jerusalem. Remember, the law of Moses commanded that the, the men of Israel appear three times in Jerusalem each year. They would appear three times to offer particular sacrifices, to pay their tithes, to do uh, things uh, that were uh, in agreement with the Mosaic Covenant. They would be marching by the thousands. They would be marching up the road to Jerusalem. And uh, my wife and I have had the privilege of going to Israel and and seeing the road that goes from Jericho to Jerusalem, and it's always uh, upward. It's uh, several thousand feet of elevation change there And you can just imagine in your mind, these pilgrims by the thousands on their road, on their journey to Jerusalem to worship according to the law of Moses. When they would come into sight of the city of Jerusalem, the very first thing you would see would be the temple. Solomon's temple would stand above everything else and they would begin to sing these psalms. 100 through 118, they they would begin to sing these psalms. And this is the first one that they would begin with. So let's look at it, particularly for a few moments this morning. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now if you'll notice in your reliable, good old KJV version of the Bible, L-O-R-D is capitalized. L-O-R-D is capitalized. The reason it is, is because that's the word that the Jews, uh, uh, that was translated from the Hebrew Bible for Yahweh or Jehovah. Anytime you read in the Old Testament the capitalization of L-O-R-D, you know it's talking about Jehovah. Now why is that so important? Because that is the covenant name of God. That's the covenant name that God revealed to Moses out of the burning bush. I am that I am. I am that I am. He, he didn't say, I am who I will be. Or I will be who I am. Or I am who I was. But it is a perfect, present participle. It is a, it is a continuum I am that I am that I am. I have never changed. This is the only God that you'll ever read about that's unchangeable, immutable. He is uh, the I am. Now, he revealed this to Moses out of the burning bush as he entered into a covenant relationship with the children of Israel. So here, this thanksgiving... Is not lifted up to Beelzebub. It's not lifted up to Ashtoreth. It's not lifted up to any uh, other God, little g God, but it's to the covenant keeping God of Israel. Make a joyful noise unto him. All ye lands, notice this, all ye lands. Uh, That's an expression that means all the earth everything that hath breath. Because, and and I know there's controversy on this point, but listen to me carefully. There are many today in our nation, in our world, that will not acknowledge the true God. They will not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Eternal One. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of the word of God, that there is a time coming in God's purpose, in God's timetable. When Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. All ye lands, all the earth. There is a day coming when everyone, every person that has ever been in the earth is going to bow their knee to the sovereignty of Yahweh. So these worshipers are coming to the city of Jerusalem to worship the true and the living God. And this is what's in their heart. They're saying, what we're doing today, Lord, allow all nations... To know you. Allow all nations to experience this kind of joy. This this kind of rejoicing. Because you deserve it, Lord. Now he says, not only to make a joyful noise, but to serve the Lord. To serve Him. You see, there's a difference between worship and serving presented in the Scriptures. We are here this morning to worship the Lord, but we leave this place to serve Him. We leave this place to serve others, to serve one another, to serve our community and, and yes, our nation. We have been called to that. And here, come on in. We're in Psalm 100. Good to see you all this morning. We're in Psalm 100. You can open your Bible with us there. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, and serve the Lord. How? With complaining and bitterness. With, uh, I do more than that brother does. Or, I know more than that sister does. Or, I blah, blah, blah. No. Serve the Lord, not with murmuring. Serve the Lord, not with complaining. Uh, Serve the Lord, not with negativity. But serve the Lord with gladness. We ought to be the happiest people in the world when we understand and know who Christ is and what He's done for us. That we are a part of a covenant that is even more superior than the covenant that God made with the nation of Israel. Because He made a covenant before time began in and of Himself concerning a people chosen out of all the nations. And Jesus Christ came into the world knowing exactly who they were. Knowing who they were. Knowing what kind of sinners they would be. Knowing what kind of mistakes they would make. Knowing what kind of people they would come into and nation they would be a part of. He knew all of that. Yet He went to the cross in their behalf. And because of what He did on the cross, that people are able to serve with gladness. I rejoice in that and I hope you can too. Serve the Lord this morning with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Come before His presence with singing. When you study the scriptures, you you see the Ark of the Covenant uh, that was uh, placed in the Holy of Holies. Remember, uh, brothers and sisters, when the tabernacle and the temple were dedicated, when they were constructed and built and, and, and they put the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, what happened? Do you remember what happened? How did God react? When that Ark was brought into the Holy of Holies, what did the God of Heaven do? He came down and His presence was manifested. In what is called the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah means beauty. It is the beauty of God. It is the the glory of God. The glory of God came down in Exodus 48. The glory of God came down in the temple in 1 Kings chapters 8 through 10. The glory of God was manifested, the presence of God with his people. That greatest glory of all that John records for us in John chapter 1, verse 14. We beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What was what was one of what was one of the titles attributed to Christ? Thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Imam. Noel in the Hebrew, God with man, God with us, His presence with us. We rejoice in His presence this morning, come before Him with singing. Now, uh, I'm sure that most of you, in fact, I'm sure every one of you can sing better than I can. But I never want to sing more than when I come into the house of God. I want to sing. You know, see, most of you, dear ones, uh, you've studied music by letter. I study it by open letter. I open my mouth and let her fly. (laughs) I love to sing praises to the King and uh and i and 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 somehow i think the spirit uh makes it sound good but here that's what we're supposed to do we're we're supposed to to come willingly gladly thankfully into his presence with singing this this access that we have to His throne. This access that we have to God. To understand that when you and I meet together in the right, in the right spirit, in the right attitude, um, with the right frame of mind. Uh, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. He says, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You see, when we gather here, Jesus gathers with us. Should we be thankful for that this morning? Yeah. I believe we need to be thankful for the presence of Jesus. Thankful for the access that we have to the Father through Him. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. Yahweh the covenant-keeping God is Elohim. He He is God. He is the creator God. He is the God that holds the world in His hand. He is the God that spoke into existence all of the various galaxies and universes. And, and you know, children, the Bible even says they can't even... They, uh, scientists with even the Hubble t- uh, telescope and all of the technology that we have they cannot even begin to count the number of stars there are in our own galaxies and they have discovered that there are literally millions of galaxies of stars besides ours man cannot begin to fathom the immensity of the stars of heaven And yet the Bible says, listen carefully, children. The Bible says that God has named every star. Now think about that just a moment. God has blessed my wife and I with 16 near perfect grandchildren. They're sinners, but not when they come to my house. But sometimes I get their names confused. To think that we have a God in heaven that knows every star by name. Not only in our galaxy, but in the millions of other galaxies. Does that blow your mind or what? It's amazing that infinite knowledge. We can't even begin to comprehend how great our God actually is. But listen to this. Not only does he know the names of every star in our universe and all of the millions of galaxies outside our universe, he also knows the names of every one of his children that will ever live in this world. When the disciples came back to Jesus after he sent them out two and two in, in Luke chapter 10, They were rejoicing that even the the demons were subject unto them in His name. He says, rejoice in this. Rather, that your names are written in heaven. And I want you to understand, you're not the one that wrote that name there. It is God that wrote that name in heaven. Are you thankful for that, friends? Should we be thankful? I think so. Know ye not that the Lord, He is God, He is God alone. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Now listen to this. Somebody says, well, Brother Jetfile, tell you what. Have you ever watched Anne of Green Gables? Have you all ever watched that? You, you need to watch that. Do you remember what she said about her red hair? Uh, you know, when Marilla asked her if she prayed, And this little red-headed orphan says, Well, I used to, but then a preacher told me that God made my hair red on purpose and I haven't spoken to him since. (laughs) You remember that line? (laughs) I haven't spoken to him since. Let me tell you
1: something. And this is the truth of the ages. God made you Just the way you are. God made you that way.
0: He made some of us big and some of us small. He made some of us thin and some of us not so thin. He made some of us uh, good at one thing and bad at another. And and, and, and it's interesting. God has uh, this wonderful design for each and every one of us. And I think Anne of Green Gables found that out
1: in the end. Should we be thankful
0: for what God has given us, the talents, the gifts, the abilities that God has given us? Somebody says, "Well, brother Jeff, I, I just hadn't found I can I just haven't found out what I can do. I don't do very many things very well and yet you're saying that God made me the way I am. I don't really understand that. Well, maybe God made you the way you are so that you can encourage those that have the other gifts and have the other talents and have the other abilities that you don't have. Maybe that's part of why you're here this morning. It's God that made us. Not we ourselves. We are His people. Now notice that His. You're His by divine right. You're His by divine possession. You're you're His by divine prerogative. Can I use that little word there? A theological term. That means that it's all on God's part, not ours. He's the one that found us before we ever found Him. He's the one that loved us. Before we ever loved Him. He's the initiator. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The sheep of His pasture. Now I mentioned CRT a moment ago and the the vain philosophies that are being uh, inundated in the Z generation in in this present day. and, And it's destroying our country. It's destroying this nation. And maybe that's the intent. But I want, I, but I want you to understand something with me this morning. And, and, and it's so critical. I, I heard a story one time about two young Aussies. These are uh, people from Australia. And these two young Aussies joined the British Navy. And... Uh, you know, it's a commonwealth of the uh, UK, Australia. So um, they joined the British Navy, and they served their time uh, on the seas. And, and, and after about one year, these uh, teenage, uh, teenage, teenage boys made their first trip to London. And as the story goes, they were, uh, the, you know, were yeomen. They were first-class yeomen, privates, but privates. And uh, they were so elated to get to go to the city of London that they decided to go ashore and celebrate. So they went to three or four pubs, a uh, pub is a bar, they, they went to three or four places and they got really inebriated. They, they, they lived that life, I mean hours and hours they spent drinking and carousing and doing all kinds of things they shouldn't do and. And then they realized the time had gotten away from them. It was very dark outside, and they had to make their way back to the ship. And they went outside, and lo, a huge fog had fallen over the city of London. And these two drunk sailors didn't know where they were. And they heard footsteps coming along a sidewalk. And as an Aussie would say, he just spoke out and, and he said, "Hey bloke, can you tell us where we are?" And they didn't realize that the person that they were asking that question to was the admiral of the United Kingdom Army uh, Navy. He was the top dog. In the naval institution. And as the story goes. The admiral looked at these two drunks. Yeoman sailors. And he says. Do you know who I am? And as the story goes. The one fellow looked at the other. And he says. You know. We're in terrible shape. Because we don't know where we are. And he doesn't know who he is. Hmm. Well, in thinking about that story, it just seems to me that that, that's that's a commentary on many of us in this generation, especially in the Christian community. We have forgotten who we are. And we have forgotten why we're here. We have forgotten so many things in our culture. That it has uh, allowed the church to slip into the throes of indifference and coldness. And instead of being a vibrant community of growing Christians. We have become more like a a social club. Or a social uh, experiment. Where we just come and we go. And we leave unchanged and unchallenged. And we forget where we are. And we forget who we are. And as a result, we become unthankful. God's Word says, don't don't slide into that. Don't slip into that. We belong to Him. We are sheep of His pasture. We know who we are in Christ. And we know why we are here. And we are trusting Him to use our lives... To impact others for His glory. Verse 4. Enter. What a privilege. (laughs) What a privilege. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Ah, what a thankful people we need to be. I I think it's important for us, not only as children, to to be thankful for our parentage and, and for our grandparents. And the heritage that we've received through them. When's the last time you've looked at your brother or sister in the church? Maybe you've served with them for many years. But when's the last time you looked over at them and says, You know, brother, you know, sister.
1: I thank God for you. I thank God that you were willing to go through the winter. Go through the hard times. You see it's easy to quit. Isn't it?
0: It's easy to give up. Because sometimes. Who said. Who said. Being a Christian. Or being a, a Christian community was easy. Who, who said that? It's not. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of prayer. It's, it's, it's a lot of uh, intentionality. It is, um, uh, it is a calling of God upon each of our lives not to go through this little journey without gratitude. When's the last time you, you, you said, thank you, Brother Deacon, for the service you give to the church? You know, C.S. Uh, Spurgeon said, uh, if you rob the church of her deacons, you... Robbed the church of her most noble sons. Think about it. He had 56 deacons. And he knew each one of them by name. And he loved each one of them. And he never failed to encourage each one of them. In fact, I'll share a quick story with you. When I was uh, in London last, uh, this has been about 10 years ago. uh, I went to Spurgeon's Tabernacle. He's one of my heroes. I went to Spurgeon's Tabernacle and they took me into the basement where he had his prayer team. You know, every service they had in the basement, he never preached a sermon in the tabernacle, uh, 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 the Metropolitan Tabernacle, that he didn't have his prayer team underneath his pulpit. They were physically around a table underneath his pulpit while he was preaching. Did you know that? And the curator there one of the members of that church uh, said, uh, you know, there's a story about this table. It's, 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 it's the original table that they sit around, 56 seats around this table. Because Mr. Spurgeon would meet with his, his elders and deacons every Monday morning at 6 a.m. following the Sunday services. And as his custom was, they wore top hats. As his custom was, at the end of their special meeting and prayer time, he would ask an offering of his deacons and elders to support the orphans and the widow houses that the church had. And the head deacon got together before Mr. Spurgeon showed up one morning. He said, brethren, I'm tired of Spurgeon. Coming into this place and he knows that we already tithe. We already give money to the church and we're servants of the church. And and he hits us up for another coin when we come on Monday. And this is the head deacon and he says, and I'm tired of it. And we're going to teach him a lesson this morning. He says, when he passes his hat around this table. I don't want you to put one copper penny in that hat. We're going to teach him a lesson. So Mr. Spurgeon comes in and sits at the head of this table and as they go through their business and it comes to an end, he takes his top hat and he says, Now brethren, remember it, the, uh, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Help the widows and orphans this morning and he passed the hat. And he passed the hat to each one of these elders and deacons and it came back to him. And this is a true story. He looked in the hat and he didn't see one coin. He said, brethren, let us pray. He says, heavenly father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our savior. And thank you most of all this morning that these skin flints gave me back my hat. (laughs) (laughs) True story. How many times do we forfeit opportunities To encourage our deacons, thank you for what you give to our church. Our sisters, thank you so much for the way you take care of the building, the, the food and all of the things that you do. Children, thank you. Thank you for helping do the menial tasks around the church. How many times do we fail to say thank you? Well, this psalm encourages us to do that, does it not? Enter into His house, His gates with thanksgiving. The gates are open, praise His name. And into His courts with praise. You see, brothers and sisters, there is a place for you this morning. Whether you're a very young child or a man or a woman, there is a place for you to come into the court of Jehovah with praise and thanksgiving. Be thankful unto him this morning and bless his name. Another psalm says, Bless his holy name. Bless his name. See, that's what it's about. That's what it's about, or, or, or it should be about. All of our giving, all of our serving, all of our, uh, all of our labors, all of our lives should be devoted to his name. We're not interested in building a name for ourselves. That's not what it's about. That's not what our service is about. We're we're interested, brothers and sisters, in doing things for the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, uh, from time to time I'll pick up uh, extra sausage biscuits because I I know several homeless people in Memphis and and I'll see them just about every day and I'll take them and hand them a a, a sausage biscuit but I never fail to tell them in the name of Jesus Christ I want to give you this food. It's not my name. It's not my church name. It is in the name of Christ. I see your need. And I want to give this to you in His name. You thank Him for this biscuit. I think that's what it is all about. Bless His name. And there are three quick points I want to make here. I'm finally getting down to what I want to really talk about In verse 5, I want you to notice these three attributes that evoke thanksgiving and praise in our hearts
1: this morning. The Lord is good. Oh, have you found Him that way? Can you say with me and David this morning,
0: the Lord has been good to me. Can you say with me this morning that he's been better to me than I could ever deserve?
1: Goodness
0: is an essential character quality or attribute of the God we serve this morning. I'm so glad that he's, he's not a God up there with the holy flash water waiting for you to make your next mistake. That's not the God of the Bible. God of the Bible is good. Everything that He does for you and through you and um, in you is good. Thank Him for it. This morning, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. This uh, word here for mercy, this Ability of God to give to you what you do not deserve. Um, Grace is God giving you something that you could never earn or never deserve. And and mercy is what keeps back from you what you do deserve. His mercy is everlasting. Everlasting. And it's all wrapped up in His Son, Jesus Christ. And then lastly this morning, and His truth endures to all generations. Jesus Christ is the measure of all that is true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the veritas. He is the measure of all that is genuine. He is the measure of all That is uh, acceptable to God. God will only accept truth. And that truth is found only in one person. And that's Jesus Christ. And I'm going to close with this word to the young. And I appreciate them being with us this morning. Someone comes to you and says, well, you know, CRT and social justice, you know, these are the things that we need to be fighting for. And... uh, and uh, we need to stand against the authoritarians in the church, the uh, authority of mothers and fathers. We, we need to overturn uh, the Constitution of America because it's too Christianized and, and uh, all of this stuff that's going on. And they look at you and they say, what's true for you is not true for me. Now this is what they're saying to our children. This is what they're teaching in the first grade to our children. Okay, so you have your truth, little Johnny. And you have your truth, little Susie. And even, those, even though those truths oppose each other, listen carefully, they both can be true at the same time.
1: It contradicts the law of contradiction.
0: And uh, listen, listen to this. This is my best point to you. They come to you and they say, no one knows truth.
1: There is no
0: such thing as absolute truth. You look at them and you say, is that true?" See what you did, you turned it back on them, right? But as Christian young people, we can say without fear of contradiction, Jesus Christ is truth. What Jesus says is right, is right. What Jesus says is wrong, is wrong. And if you will follow that in your life, you're not going to stray too far away from the path. So this truth is unto all generations. This truth is not something that began when you first believed in it. This truth didn't start when this church started. This truth has been in the world since God made the world. God is truth. And that truth, friends, is going to Stand when this world is enwrapped in flames. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your time.